loves it when people set up a challenge. God loves it. God loves it when Elijah builds an altar and says, why don't you call fire down? I'll call fire down. We'll see who's God is boss. God loves it when someone says this is a closed country. God absolutely loves it once when I sat next to a Lithuanian pastor who told me we'll never gather more than a thousand. God loves it when there's somebody who claims it is impossible. God absolutely loves it because there in our weakness of faith, his strength can become even stronger and he will demonstrate his power in ways that you cannot possibly imagine. We may think right now that, yeah, uni world is, is tough and Europe is tough and stains might be tough. But I believe it's because God's got a little smirk on his face. Because the world has no idea, no idea what God can do. I thought I was better then. I, just, I didn't even prepare that, guys. I thought I, was a, I thought I was a round of applause, at least a little one. Just a, all right, you don't believe me, fine. Okay, let me, let me prove it to you. You know I love to say this. When uh, we did a youth conference, by the way, this has nothing to do with my preach, and I feel like that's probably not going to happen now, is it? Time is moving on as well. We were doing a youth conference called Next Level. I don't know if I've told you this story, but I'll tell you again. We had 450 young people there, and then James is right. The statistic right now is that depression and mental health illnesses are completely on the rise in, in UK and in Europe. And the biggest killer of young men is suicide, and apparently one in four people now under the age of 25 will suffer with a mental health illness in their life. We knew this statistic, had a youth conference, 450 people there. We made a call for it. I felt God say to me, everyone's starting to think the devil is a lot bigger than he is. I want to show them how big I am. And I was like, okay. And he said, I want you to make a call at this youth conference and call forward anybody who has a mental health illness. And I was like, brilliant. That's really fun. I'm going to be that guy. So I stood up at our youth conference, which everyone was really enjoying. Everyone was jumping up and down, having a great time. Everyone was smiling, you know, dancing to the, the songs. And I said, right, who has a mental health illness? Come forward. And um, do you know, 150 of them came forward. One in three. One in three of them came forward. And as they came forward, I just felt like the Lord just built a faith and a hope in me that God truly can do the impossible. Do you realize that we, when, when it comes to the devil and God, it's not like this equal match. It's not like a boxing match where they come up to each other, you know, like they do, and they square each other off and they weigh in. And then, you know, it's not like that. Do you understand? Someone once said to me, if the, uh, if God, if the devil plays checkers, God plays chess. That's a, have you ever heard that phrase before? And someone said that to me once, and I was kind of like, well, I, 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 you know, I don't even know if that's a good analogy. God is so much more powerful than the enemy. It, it, it is not a competition. In fact, if, if, if that was true, if God played chess, let me tell you, the, the devil would just be dust on the floor. Like that's the scale. It's not equal. This, it's not an equal match. God is so much more powerful than the enemy. If you think there is a, a, a hold that the enemy has on a generation or a town, trust me, God can... Click his fingers, God can breathe, God can send one person and absolutely revolutionize the whole place. Do you know that? Do you believe that? So we prayed for young people right there and then, and I've shared a story before, but I'll share this one again. We saw a young girl who had burnt X's into her arm with hair straighteners, and her, as we prayed for her, the skin completely healed, and she had no scars whatsoever. That is now the seventh time I have seen that happen. Scars disappear from a young person's body who was self-harming. Why? Because nothing can stop God's.
The enemy's hold is not big enough. It is not great enough. God can do the impossible. I want a hope to rise in us, a belief to arise in us that we are here on purpose for this time, right here, right now. Hythe Church and Flow Church and Kerith Church have all merged together because God has ordained a purpose. And that purpose is to show the impossible that God can do it. That's what I believe. I have a hope for this place. I believe that we're going to do it. I believe that we're going to just shake some things. We're going to change the things. I'm believing. Do you know there's 11,000 students in Royal Holloway? Can we, I, I believe maybe one day we might even have a church literally on that site. Who knows? I'm believing that maybe thousands of, of students might come to Christ. Why not? God is God. All he takes is you and me to be willing to do as we're told, when we're told, to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all it takes for us to just show up and be available, and God can do the impossible. Does somebody in this place agree with me? As we were singing today, actually, um, we sung the song, I Surrender. Did you enjoy that song? It's a very different style of song. makes you really slow down and think it through. I like it. I like worship that mixes it up. Are you, and by the way, can we honor Maria and the band? Are you? Can we just give a round of applause? Come on, people. She, she works hard all week and still comes and delivers like that. But Maria, we are grateful for you. We are grateful for the, the uh, diversity in which you bring us into the presence of the Lord. We thank you for your servant leadership and your humility. Um, we do appreciate you, don't we, church? She sung the song, I Surrender All. And it's funny, this song always reminds me of Albania. Now, why does this song remind me of Albania? I've been going to Albania. I think I've been, I think I've been about, been about <laughs> saying that really fast. I think I've been about 13 times. And in Albania, we sing this song, I Surrender All. And they love this song in Albania. This is the song that really just gets them going and opens them up. And in Albania, I don't know if you know, but Albania was a communist country and actually was confessed and would always say about itself that it was the only communist country to really drive Christianity out. In fact, it had no religion whatsoever. And uh, it was like this for a long time. And they said that there was no religion. And actually, there is no evidence, even now, that there was some underground church somewhere. There's no, you cannot find the evidence somewhere. And it seemed like an absolutely impossible nation. Three million people about a second world country, you know, there is some development, but there's still a long way to go. And there's these bunch of people, and there's no evidence of a Christian church there whatsoever. 1991, communism leaves Albania, and then the churches begin. And actually, I go to this church still in Albania, and they have written down every single Sunday that they have had since 1991. And when I said to the pastor, he's, he's in his 60s now, I said to him, oh, why, why did you do that? What, what made you feel like you wanted to do that? And he said, I wanted to show the world what God has done in Albania. Now, it's amazing because every time you meet somebody who's in like plus 30 years in Albania, they are first generation believer. And very often they've got saved in amazing, radical ways. By the way, we should be very thankful if you are not we should be thankful for our parents and our grandparents that have led the way. Emily and I have a great heritage of faith. We are absolutely thankful for it. It is a great gift of the Lord. But sometimes you hear these guys' stories and you think, wow. These are first-generation believers. These are the type of guys that they got saved because they woke up in a dream or, or woke up in the middle of the night and saw a man dressed in white. 
and he said, you must follow me. And they decided to become a Christian because Jesus Christ had to evangelize himself. This is the kind of thing it's like in Albania. And so we you started to run this youth conference. Are you, is this good? Are you still with me? Started to run this youth conference in Albania. And we'd sing this song, I Surrender. I Surrender. And what was amazing is even though these guys, lots of them do not know God or just like very new to faith. Their parents don't even believe. They come to our youth camps. They come to our youth events. And we do this song. And suddenly they will come to the front they will start lying on the floor. They will start weeping before the Lord. And they will just give everything they have to God. For anyone that's been to Albania, there's a few of you in this room. Will you agree with me on that? Would you say that is, that is an accurate reflection? In fact, it's such a powerful event. Sometimes I go there and I think, God, why isn't it like this in England? Because I go there and I'm thinking, these guys are so new to the faith, but we're older to the faith. Surely we should have a better understanding of how the Spirit moves and be able to be more freer and more expressionate in our worship. But these guys, these young people, will suddenly express their love for God. They'll come to the front. You'll pray for them. And before you know it, the whole room, I literally have pictures on my phone. I'll show you afterwards. They have, the whole room are just on the floor or weeping before the Lord. We're talking about 80 to 100 teenagers, just all in the presence of the Lord. First of all, let's acknowledge that nothing is impossible for God. God knew this was going to happen. While there was an iron curtain, while there was the communist people there, God knew that this time was coming, that this was going to happen. But it did make me ask the question, and this is where I maybe want to point it back to us a bit more. It did make me ask the question a lot of God, why does this happen like this here? In fact, I found it so easy there. Anything you prayed for just happened there. That's what it felt like. I mean, we'd pray for people and then demons would fly out of them and, and we'd pray for people and they'd get healed of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and all kinds of issues. And I always wondered, God, why does it happen so easily then? Now, maybe there's this challenge that, you know, maybe it's just a different culture. Yeah, maybe it's just, a, and they are, they are quite an expression of people. And yes, they do love to dance as a nation. They all still do their national dance. And uh, that's what they do. And, and they love it. They're very huggy and they always like to hug people and the guys kiss each other four times on each cheek and all that kind of stuff. So maybe, 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 maybe it's just that culture. Or maybe because it's youth. Maybe it's because, you know, maybe, maybe it's emotional manipulation. Maybe the way that we play the song or maybe the way that we yell right at the right point so that everyone gives an amen. Did it work? Maybe because we do that. But as I was praying about it and as I prayed this morning in worship, this is... God started speaking to me, which is why I had to let go of my own preach and preach what he wanted to preach. This is what God said to me in worship. In Matthew 18, verse 3, it said this. And he said, this being Jesus. Sorry, tech team, I'm just throwing this on you. Have you got the verse? If not, don't worry. Matthew 18, verse 3. I'm only reading the one verse, so you can stick with me. It's what Jesus Christ himself says. Truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And as we were singing this song... The Lord gave that verse to me, reminded me of Albania, and I felt like the Lord said to me this morning, Liam, the reason they were experiencing what they experienced is because they came to me like children. They came to me like children. Now, it is helpful when you are already 
young. When you are a teenager, I guess that does help in some ways because still you don't feel that maybe that extra pressure of life that you do as you get older. But they came as little children and the circumstances were set up beautifully for them. They were young in their faith. They were already young. They didn't know better. No one had ever really taught them anything different. There's something beautiful, isn't there, about them getting saved into a Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-teaching, Jesus-honoring-centered church right from the outset. It's awesome, isn't it? There's no tradition getting in the way. There's no other voices. There's no other teachings or no other wrong theologies. It's all fresh to them right now. But they come young. They are willing to be changed. They are willing to be changed. They are willing to be wrong. They are willing to just be children. They come not worried about the stresses of life. They come just ready to receive, just like a child would with their parents. Why am I telling this us this morning, Flow Church? Flow Church, could I encourage us? Could we get younger? In our spirit, of course. We're all going to age normal physical body way. But could we get younger before the Lord? Could, could we just say, God, you know what? I'm the child here. I do not know best. I do not know the right way. I, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are greater than my thoughts. Your ways are just better. God, I come to you as a child. And you know what? I'm just going to come and let you do what you want to do. I'm just going to come and say, I want to be changed by you. Is everybody still okay about being changed by God? Everyone okay with that still? We all know that's really hard though, right? Can we all just nod with that one so we can all agree that it's hard? It is hard when God says you've been carrying this thing for a long time or you have this attitude or when you have unforgiveness, as Mandy led us this morning. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you to come as a child. A child just goes to their parents with just expectation. And so I'm wondering, church, whether we might be able to do that. I want us to come and I want us to express ourselves sometimes like that. Is it okay to say express ourselves like children or is that maybe just a bit wrong? But isn't there something free about a child when they just express their love for their parent? There's not a fear of what other people think about them. There's not a fear of even if they get rejected. They just want to tell their mom or their dad how much they love them. And I've heard many stories. I don't have my own kids yet. Amen. But I've heard many stories of parents who just be driving their car and suddenly the kid turns to them and says, I love you, mom. Or, you know, the kid who's in the shop and then just turns to their mom in the middle of everybody and says, mom, I really like you. Or you're very pretty, mom. There's no, they're not thinking about the right time or the right place. They're just thinking, I feel the love in my heart. I feel the gratitude in my heart. Therefore, it must be expressed through my mouth right now. And church, I want us to become more like little children in our faith. I would love it if we just came in through these doors with this same excitement that my nephew Jacob ran through the doors a couple of weeks ago. Do you know why he loved it? Because he just saw so much space. And he could just run around, and he had a great time. And he made a little candle in kids' work and took it back to his parents, who I'm believing to be saved, amen. But he came in through these doors with absolute joy and excitement because he could run around. Now, that is so minor compared to what you and I know you could experience in this room. He just gets to experience running around. You and I get to experience the very presence of the Lord. 
the very presence of Jesus Christ in this room together as one family, as one body. And yet we come here sometimes and we're a little bit like, oh, I've got to get in, got to get in. Like, wouldn't it be great, church? Wouldn't it just be amazing if we all came in like, come on, it's five minutes too. We're about to begin worship. The Lord is going to move amongst us. Wouldn't that be the expectation? I would love that. I would love it. There's such an expectation in worship that even if Maria's voice is going or, you know, the, the tech cuts out, but you, we're just all singing so loudly because we're so expectant and so grateful for what God has done in our lives that you cannot hold back our cheers and our praises because we do not fear man anymore. We have the chains broken. We're not going to worry about what this person next to us thinks. Trust me, this morning I tried some harmonies and I was very conscious that Kelly, a worship leader, was standing next to me, but I decided I'm going to go for it because I just want to sing with everything I have. Did you hear, Kelly? Was it good? You didn't hear? Great. Okay. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if, like children, we believed exactly what God said about himself? Children do not doubt what their parents say to them. I believed for so long in my life that if I did not wash behind my ears at Christmas Eve, Santa Claus would not come. I actually found out this was not a normal tradition everyone else gets taught. This was just a Parker household tradition. My brother would come down sometimes with, like, skin coming off because he'd scrubbed so hard. Because I believed my mum. We'll have words with her later. I believed her. Liam, if you do not scrub behind your ears, Santa Claus will not give you a present. He will check. So I'm there, me and my, for the first time ever, me and the brothers are just washing, you know. And we're there scrubbing because we trust what mum said. Now, guys, wouldn't it be amazing if, like children, we just believed God? Whatever he says, done. No argument. Well, maybe some children argue. I don't know. But just no discussion, no argument. God, if you say, I believe it. Stains shall be saved. I believe it. Europe shall be saved. I believe it. This church will grow. I believe it. This church will see your family members baptized at it. I believe it in Jesus' name. Anybody else? If we just believed him. I am God. I can heal you. Amen. The devil is not bigger than me. Amen. I want to set you free. Amen. I believe it. I trust it. And I live as a child. I do not try and reason it with my own logic. I do not try and reason it with my own understanding. I apply my logic and understanding to that, but only so that I might be a child, if that makes sense to somebody. But we, as we grow up, we start to think that actually the way that we have known it is the best way. This merger of these two churches is a new thing. And you know what? I'm going to be really honest with you. Lots of pastors and friends of mine who lead other churches said to me, Liam, I don't know if this is a good idea. Because it, it causes tension. Because we have to come in fresh and we're new and we're young and well, maybe, I don't know, how old do you think we are? Some, but, you know, we're young and, and we're changing things and they have to let go of some things and we have to let go of some things. And there's, there's tension that's caused in it. And so many people came to us, well, not so many, but a few that I went to to seek advice and mentoring. They warned me and said, Liam, I don't know if this is going to be a good idea. But you know what's funny? When we sat with Mandy and, the, and Matt and Tim and Ruth and Sandra and Keith. Good old Keith. 
When we sat with them and we swapped stories, we felt like the Lord spoke to us, didn't we? The Lord spoke to us. The Lord spoke to us and said that this is right. We felt it so strong. In fact, we were all in tears in our first meeting, if I remember rightly. Or was it just me and Emily? We were just so moved by the presence of the Lord in the room that you know what? I just decided to trust God on it. I felt like God said it. I weighed what God said. I tested what God said, and I heard it again and again and again. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I will be a child, even if it doesn't seem logical, even if other people do not understand, even if I have my own fears and worries with it. I trust God because I'm the child here. I am not the king. I am just a prince that's allowed to live in the house. I am not the father. I am a son of the house. And I trust what he said. Church, please, could we be a bit more like that? That if God said it, we, we trust it. Now, I know, I know, I know that sometimes that word will have to be filtered through your leaders. Because that's how God speaks to his people, through leaders. Now, I know, and I pray, and please pray for Emily and I, and also the leaders of the Hyth community who have submitted and joined us. Please pray for us that we might hear from God accurately for you. Please pray for us. We need that. That's why you've got to pray for us so that we might hear God correctly for you. And then please, when we say it, I don't know why I've gone on to this, but I'm just going to go with it. Please, as we say it, as we declare it, would you please honor it as though God has said it? Not because we are God, but because trust me, we weigh it and we take it away and we process and we fast and we seek advice. Please then, as we say it, take it as though God has said it. Because if we all act a bit more like this, more like children in the family, we, me and Emily, will act like children before God as he speaks to us. And then maybe sometimes it'll have to be that from you to us. I promise as we do that, God will then be able to do the impossible. God will be able to do the impossible. This week, it is the Holy Spirit week. <laughs> and I do just want to mention him just at the end. In Acts 2... There's this moment when the disciples are all gathered together. And it says they're sitting in an upper room. And as you can imagine, right now what's happening, let me give you a little context. They're in the, it's the Pentecost festival, so there's thousands of Jews all around. And they are hiding out in this little upper room in the middle of Jerusalem. And then it just says that they're there. And, and they, they just had their savior. He was killed and crucified. And then he rose again. And now he's gone back to heaven again. And there's all these emotions in them. And, you know, some of the, you know, Jesus would just be crucified. So they're going to have this fear in them that they're also going to be persecuted. And they're also going to be crucified. And they also know that Jesus said, I've got a mission for you. You're supposed to be my witnesses all over the world. Like you're supposed to go to the ends of the earth. They know this, but they're together just as 120 people. And they're praying in that upper room. I would have loved to have been in that upper room because I often think that we think that upper room would have been like yeah this is going to be amazing we're going to change the world but I reckon that would have been like oh what what do we do what do we do I, I don't know if I can go I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I can do it I, I, I'm scared I, I have these I have these worries I've still got my family I've got to look after my family there would have been so much tension in that room but the Bible lets us know that they were actually praying in the upper room so whatever happened at some point, and maybe it was Peter, I don't know, but one of the disciples or somebody, they just said, let's begin to pray. And instead of trying to figure out how they're going to transform the world, they decided to become like children and say, God, you know what? This was your decision. I'm just going to 
give it to you. And like a child, I'm just going to come to my father and say, Father, I have need right now. And they began to pray. And as they prayed, a violent wind blew through. And tongues of fire fell from heaven and hovered over each of them. And they all began to speak in different languages. Now, please understand, they are in the middle of a festival. They are trying to hide. They are trying to stay comfortable. And they say to God, God, you are our Father. Do what you want with us. And as they pray, God then makes such a dramatic entrance that everybody around that little house turned and looked at that house. And thousands of people came and there was a crowd drawn by their crazy expressionate behavior. Such a crowd was drawn that 3,000 of them gave their life to Jesus. Okay, let me put that in some context. Imagine you go to a festival next summer. Imagine you go to a Reading Festival or some kind of festival, and you're there, and you know that God has asked you to reach everybody at that festival, but you have no idea how to begin or start. So you go into your little tent with some of your friends, and you say, let's pray, and let's just seek God, and, and let's just be children and say, God, if you want to move, you move. And then as you do that, such a storm brews up from your tent. You spill out laughing and worshiping God so expressionally, and you turn, and the whole of the festival is looking at you. Why am I telling you this? Because that doesn't sound like a comfortable thing to happen. God, we've got to be like children with God, and then God will actually very often, like a parent does with a child, will push us outside our comfort zone, get us to do things we do not like to do, get us to do things we don't even necessarily want to do. And he will do that with us. The Holy Spirit will guide us and help us to become more uncomfortable so that we might actually do the impossible things God asked us to do. Is this making some sense to you? Because this is all flowing in my I'm trying to figure this out while I'm saying it. But is this making sense? God will do it. And then the Holy Spirit falls out and that begins the church. And Peter preaches 3,000 were added to their number. And then daily people added to their number from that point on. Until, by the way, it's still going on. Just because it didn't happen in this church doesn't mean, doesn't mean it's not happening all around the world. People are being saved every day. God is continuing doing that. But church, if you and I want to 